Well, good morning. Oh, wow, that sounds like you lost an hour of sleep last night. Good morning. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy over in the New Testament, a little book over there. Um, oh, and by the way, if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, I am going at 1.30 right here at the church. I'm going to be leading a church welcome and information class. Um, again, at 1.30, we will have child care. That will give you time to run out and eat lunch and come back. If you want to become a, a member of New Life, that we'd love for you to sit through that. Or maybe you don't and you just want to learn more about who we are and where we're going and what's going on. Um, I would love to just connect with you for a few hours there as we just talk and learn together. And, and it'll be great to have you. you. We have some extra packets. You don't have to sign up. Just show up. That would be fine. Hey, how many of you have ever had the experience of reaching for a toy that a toddler has in his or her hands. Have you ever had that experience? It's scary. I mean, like you outweigh this kid by 100, 150 pounds, some of us 200 pounds. I mean, you outweigh this kid, and yet, like, man, you are scared to reach and take that. I hear music. Oh, that's my phone. It's Barry Manilow. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> I'm like, is it my time? <laughs> I'm hearing things. For the record, I don't listen to a lot of Barry Manilow. I'm just saying. Uh, I... I will say this, I knew I was getting older the day I'm driving down the road and Barry Manlow comes on the radio station and I didn't immediately turn it. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, anyway, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, the experience of taking a toy out of the hand of a toddler is a scary experience. Um, <clears throat> how many of you know what this is? A pillow pet. Now, be honest. How many of you young folks, you had a pillow pet? Over, uh, <laughs> Tyler's going, mm -hmm. <laughs> still sleeps with yours. This, this, this is Caleb's, and he really threw a fit when I took it out of his arms this morning when I stopped by his house. <laughs> um, toys, they're, they're fun. I, I've been into this thing. Maybe I'll bring it in. I'll use it for a sermon illustration sometime, but I, I've been into this phase of just watching for like 80s, um, like the little handheld football games and uh, stuff like that, Atari 2600 kind of stuff. But toys are, are pretty amazing. What's cool, a fun fact about toys <coughs> is... Um, the box, you know, how often do we get a kid a really cool toy for Christmas, birthday, whatever, and then all of a sudden um, they're playing with a the box. They don't even acknowledge the toy. Well, fun fact, a few years ago, the box, not the toy, the box was placed in the Toy Hall of Fame. 
the box. Um, NBCnews.com says it this way, low-tech and unpretentious it may be, but the cardboard box has fostered learning and creativity for multiple generations, a key qualifier for inclusion in the museum's Hall of Fame. And its appeal as a plaything or recreational backdrop is universal. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it makes perfect sense. Why, you know, half the time I'm like, why do we even buy the toy? Let's just buy the box, because that's what they want. But but you reach for the pillow pet or you reach for the the plaything, whatever that is, in the hands of a toddler, and <clears throat> they throw fit. Many of us carry that natural-born selfishness into adulthood. Now, we disguise it well. You know, we're not sitting there holding our breath and stomping our feet. But we see this when people begrudgingly give, for instance, to charity. Um, we see this when people give solely for the purpose of a tax break. Nothing wrong with a tax break. I'll take all the tax breaks I can get. <clears throat> um, but when that's the only reason that we give, others give out of a sense of duty to charity. You know, you, you pass the veteran along a sidewalk and, you know, you can't not give them something and you throw a few oblig obligatory dollars into his bucket. Um, but the reality is, even though we're not stomping our feet and holding our breath, so many of us as adults are like these toddlers who are holding tight to their toys and they don't want to let go. But the Bible gives a different picture. It's a picture of a generous adult that has matured, that has grown out of the must-haves of our society. Uh, the Bible gives us a picture of a God-honoring giver being somebody who's obedient to the teaching of Scripture and they're, they're full of joy when they give and their generosity is motivated not simply by a tax write-off or out of a sense of duty, but their giving is motivated, motivated by a sense of compassion. And one way we do this is through the practice of tithing, which is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual exercise that helps a Christian become a giver. Why? Out of a sense of, you know, the church is browbeating people? No. Um, but when Chris and I give our first 10% back to God, when we return it back to him, it shows our thankfulness to him. It shows our loyalty to him. It shows the fact that we, you know, it is a very practical illustration of our reliance is on God and not on money or possessions or things. In other words, we're talking this past three weeks and it's ending today, but we're talking basically about the posture of the heart, living open-handed. Um, we could talk about the stewardship of talents. You know, we could talk about the 
stewardship of time. Uh, this morning we're talking about the stewardship of our treasure, money, and possessions. And I, and I specifically, purposely am talking about the issue of tithing. First um, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, if you've attended here for very long, you know that throughout the year I don't dedicate entire sermons to giving but once or twice in an entire year. Um, you know, my one of the last things I want is for someone to come into our church and they're trying church out for the first time or whatever and they come in, they go, I knew it, all they talk about is money. No, if that's you this morning, you just, you hit the jackpot, you hit it the once or twice a year I talk about it, you, you lucked out. But, but, I, but if you're visiting, I, this is not about you, this is not about your your stuff. I mean, it applies to you, but it's not us trying to get your money. It has nothing to do with that. Um, it's this is about th this morning is just a, a simple teaching on biblical living and the life of the believer when it comes to our money, our possessions, our you know, and specifically tithing and and. And so I, I hope we always have people who are new to the faith, who are learning and growing, and maybe this is the first time you've even heard about this spiritual practice. Well, let's start with what does tithe mean? To tithe is to give one-tenth of one's income as an offering to God through the ministry of his body, the local church of which one is a part. <clears throat> and so for the person returning their tithe back to God and notice we're talking about returning it not giving it because it's his in the first place for the person who's returning their tithe back to God it is a it is a practice again that shows hey we're grateful we're thankful for what you've given us um, the ability to even generate income thank you God for the church receiving the tithes and offerings, it becomes fuel for ministry. You know, I'm just one of those practical guys that I don't try to skirt around talking about tough topics and money. You know, it's, it's, it's never an exciting topic for me to think, oh, good, I get to talk about mon uh, money this Sunday. Um, but it is so critically important because we're talking about generosity we're talking about the posture of the heart. We're talking about if you are not participating in this kind of a spiritual practice on a regular basis, man, you are missing out on so, so, so much of what God has for you. And by the way, there's a difference between uh, good giving and God giving. All right, so when we're returning our tithe to the local church, uh, the local storehouse is how it's sometimes used in scripture. Um, that's God giving. Okay. Um, giving a donation to a nonprofit organization, giving a donation to a charity is good giving. So there's God giving and there's good giving. Um, check this out. Uh, this comes from Billy Hollowell and 
on FaithWire, he says this, Bible-engaged Americans, in other words, Christians who are living out their faith, they're practicing what the Bible says. Bible-engaged Americans gave a total of $145 billion to charities in 2021, amounting to just over $2,900 per household in 2021. That's Bible-engaged Christians. Um, the same figure for the Bible disengaged, in other words, they're not really living out their faith, compared to the over $2,900 that the Bible-engaged Christians gave, um, the disengaged gave $924 in that year. Um, to underscore, it goes on to say, to underscore the monumental nature of that giving, uh, consider that people who would be considered scripturally engaged Christians make up about 19% of our population, okay? Now, that's not just, you know, a lot of people would check off on a poll or something, I'm, I'm of the Christian faith or whatever, but I'm talking about Bible-engaged Christians, about 19% um, of adults, and yet they give 44% of every dollar donated. Uh, here, here's another uh, thing from Barna. Christian philanthropy accounted for 70% of all American philanthropy in 2022 at $300 billion total. Yeah. Um, it goes on. Christians also, check this out. This is interesting. Christians also outgave the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. You know, so whatever people might say or think about the church, the church remains a seismic value add to the world. And that's what God calls us to. That's what it should be. Um, so, so good giving to these charities, that's good. But this morning we're talking about God giving. This is where we consistently in a mature fashion purposefully give a minimum of 10% off of the top of our income if and, and by the way, uh, if the local church is strong, all of these other parachurch ministries and nonprofits will be strong. If the local church isn't strong, the other charities and nonprofits, they're not going to be strong. Um, the first little history here. The first recorded instance of tithing in the Bible occurs in Genesis chapter 14 after re returning from rescuing Lot. Abraham met Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the text simply says that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe or a tenth of all that he had won in battle. In Genesis 28, Jacob, long, long before the law of Moses, Promised that he would give the Lord a tenth of all that he received. Um, and then the law of Moses prescribed tithing in some detail in Leviticus 27, Numbers 18, Deuteronomy 12. Um, the tithe is an expression of our gratitude to God by his people. Um, base, the basic principle of tithing is it's me acknowledging that God owns everything, everything I have is a blessing from God, and that 
I'm simply returning a tenth of it to go, thank you, thank you, thank you. My loyalty is to you. Again, talking about the posture of the heart. It's all about the heart, right? But then over in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is, he's as often is, is correcting the Pharisees, the religious leaders who were uh, just not getting it because they had all the outside stuff going, but the posture of their heart wasn't right. And Jesus is getting on them and correcting them, and here's what he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. So those are the church leaders. He calls them hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus says, you should tithe, yes, but the other side of that is don't neglect the more important things. So Jesus is praising them, going, hey, it's a good thing you tithe, but, but on the other side of it, don't, don't don't ignore justice and mercy and, and faith. Um, in other words, justice, mercy, and faith are not just the laws of Moses. They're the law of God um, that should be followed at all times. And so Jesus is scolding the Pharisees because they're obeying these ceremonial laws and these practices, including tithing and all of this, and yet ignoring justice, mercy, and faith. And then, again, Jesus praises them for tithing. But here's, here's an important point here. Jesus is making it clear that, yes, the practice of honoring God first with your money and your possessions is important. But giving of your tithes and offerings to God does not exempt, exempt you from practicing justice, mercy, and faith, right? Giving money to the church, giving money to God is not your salvation, um, you can give 10% of your income back to God through the local church and still live a life that's displeasing to God. You don't buy your way, you don't pay your way into God's favor. Uh, however, if you're living a life that's pleasing to God, you'll be grateful and you'll express uh, this practice of tithing, showing your loyalty and to Him, your gratefulness to Him. Uh, you know, just... Uh, why do some folks in the church not tithe? What, what's, what's their reasoning? What's their excuse? Here's a couple of them. Um, many folks lack the basic biblical understanding of this principle of tithing. They just, you know, I hope New Life Church is always a place that will bring folks in who are new to the faith or new to the church and will be connecting with people in the community who are new to the faith and new to the church and many who are just observing and checking it out and going, hey, is this for me? And so this very well, out of these three services, I very well could be talking about this basic principle of tithing to some people who are hearing it for the very first time. They just legitimately don't know about it. Uh, another reason some people... Uh, don't tithe, some who call themselves Christians don't tithe, is because they simply don't trust God's promises. I probably should say that in a smoother, nicer way, but that's the bottom line. They simply don't trust God's promises that 
if you seek first his kingdom, if you honor him first, if you show your loyalty to him first with all that you have, he is going to take care of all your needs. That's a promise from God. And there are some people in the church, you just you call it what you want, you just flat out don't trust that promise. Then there are other people who they don't tithe because they're in such a financial mess. You know, they're, they're living above their means. They've, they've bought into, I've got to have this and that and this and that to be like everybody else and all the stuff. And, and even though they know they should, they just, they don't even know how to do it at this point because they're so bound up by their financial situation. They're so bound up by debt. Uh, which, by the way, we offer something very practical for not just those people, but for anyone who just loves the idea of just, you know, honoring God with their money, their possessions. Um, uh, this is a little commercial here for Financial Peace University. We offer that uh, beginning April 5th. It's a nine-week class. It's free for anyone, which that's huge. Um, you you pre-register for it. If you have any questions, just check with us after church or the Welcome Center. Um, but this is a phenomenal class that Chris and I years ago went through. And man, just phenomenal, just biblical principle stuff. It's great. So if that's you, I would invite you to be a part of that. Others aren't honoring God first with their tithes and offerings because they're just living in flat-out disobedience. Again, wish I could find a smoother way to say that, but that's just the reality. They're, they're, they know they should. They know the deal. They know what it means and what it's for, and yet they're just going, nope, not going to do it. And you can come up any reason you want to, and at the end of the day, it's just you're living in disobedience. Does that sound harsh? Hi, I'm, I'm Troy. I'm your friend. Um... But here's the other side of it. There are so many who faithfully give of their tithes and offerings at our church and many churches across our great world. You know, New Life Church, we're here this morning because people for years have been faithful in the giving of their tithes and offerings. That You know, they, they give their first 10% back to the work of the kingdom through the local church and they do it without fanfare. They do it without acknowledgement. They, they do it with just joy in their hearts and and every time a song is sung and every time lights are turned on every time we get a meet or every time we get to <clears throat> do sports ministries in the community or every time we get to take like last night the high schoolers bowling or whatever some of those people who have been faithful man they, you just see it bubbling out of them and they clap and they sing and they smile and then others who are you know, they're just smiling in their heart because they know they're a part of the solution. They know they're honoring God first. <clears throat> and they celebrate because they know their generosity through tithing has played a major role in the lives of people being changed for all eternity. All right, so why, why should we give them the, at all? You know, there, there are multiple reasons. Giving is the antidote to greed and selfishness and attitudes of entitlement. You've heard me say this before, but you show me someone who's a giver, who lives with this posture of the heart, who lives open-handed, I'll show you someone who is full of joy. 
You show me someone that's hoarding everything and trying to hold on to everything, and I'll show you someone who's miserable. Um, Again, giving is the way we say thanks to God. Giving is a sign of our loyalty to God that we know he owns everything and that we're, he's just letting us manage it for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years and then we're going to be put six foot under and he's going to loan it to someone else for a while, right? Um, giving is the solution for what's wrong with our attitude when it comes to money because it changes our hearts. Giving helps us to see the bigger picture. Giving helps to set our priorities. Giving is the best treatment for envy and covetousness and peer pressure. And yet, giving does so much more for us. You know, it connects us with a world that God loves and it it reminds us that it's bigger than us. Uh, Let me give you some very specific examples here of of your giving so when you give a dollar to new life whether it's in the boxes back there online or however you do it part of it goes for running the local ministry of this church the ministry of this local church you know helping to pay light bills pay salaries uh run ministries kid life teen life all the other stuff another part of that dollar goes toward uh our district So in the Church of the Nazarene, we are on the North Central Ohio District, which in short is, give or take, 65 churches from basically Sunbury, Ohio, to Cleveland, Ohio, and about 65 churches in between. And a portion of that dollar goes to our district, which helps helps us start church plants. It helps us uh, do compassionate ministry and all kinds of stuff on a district level. And then another portion of that dollar automatically goes to the general church. Um, And listen to what, just some of the things, for those of you who are new to the Church of the Nazarene, listen to just some of the things, I just want to list them, that the general church giving helps. Ministries in almost 164 world areas as well as the USA and Canada, the work of 489 missionaries and volunteers, Just under 48,000 students enrolled in 2021 at 51 educational institutions, colleges, universities, and seminaries in 40 countries. Mount Vernon Nazarene University is one of those. Training for pastors and trades to support their ministry, the operation of numerous medical clinics and hospitals, evangelistic radio broadcasts to different nations, development of educational resources in multiple languages, and more. Uh, in fact, let me show you just a, a brief video here uh, that will help you visualize some of what I'm talking about when it comes to your giving to the General Church of the Nazarene. Okay, go ahead if you would. Nazarene Missions is a movement of God through the people of God. This movement is funded through the generous, sacrificial giving of people and churches throughout the world. World Evangelism Giving is the foundation for discovering, developing, and resourcing our missions organization and has enabled the Church of the Nazarene to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to unreached people and places. It is the cornerstone of our denomination's missional funding, with the largest portion of giving going to missions work in the Nazarene regions. These funds enable the regions to effectively implement church planting and discipleship strategies through local churches and ministries. 
Every church and individual in our denomination participates with their financial contributions to world evangelism, binding us together with a unified purpose and vision. Because of your giving, the Church of the Nazarene is able to develop and sustain worldwide communication, technology support, and new mission programs. All Nazarene missionaries, regardless of deployment status, benefit from the mission's foundation created by World Evangelism Giving. Each missionary receives support, such as funding, insurance, and missionary care. Nazarene Missions International, Nazarene Youth International, Work and Witness, Global Missions, and many other ministries are supported by World Evangelism Giving. Independently funded ministries like Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, Jesus Film Harvest Partners, and World Mission Broadcast also benefit from the infrastructure it sustains. Through your giving, new churches worldwide are able to make an impact in their community. Those funds also train and equip pastors and church leaders in these churches. Pastors like Rafi, who fulfilled his call to ministry after escaping war-torn Syria. Today, Rafi and his mother Lena have started two Arabic-speaking churches in Poland. Your giving funds clergy development and ordination in the Church of the Nazarene and makes holiness education available worldwide through Nazarene institutions of higher education. Your giving provides resources and literature in more than 90 languages to churches all over the world. This includes resources for pastors and Bible-based teaching materials for children, youth, and adults. Because of your giving, schools like the Armstrong Primary School in Côte d'Ivoire are impacting their community. School children are being taught Christian values, and the students and their families are being reached for the Lord. In Mark 12, we see the beautiful example of a widow giving abundantly. Jesus calls his disciples and points her out as the one who gave the most, because she gave all. Our focus is not on how much we give. We give because we believe in a missional God who is at work through our Nazarene missionaries, reaching places and people we can't even imagine. We believe in a God who moves, and that belief, deeply seated in our hearts, moves us to give. We are a global church, a generous church, participating in the transformational love of Jesus Christ in our local communities. Together, through our world evangelism giving, we share Christ's love with the world. You're a part of that. When you give to new life, you're a part of what you're seeing. Let, let, let me, and I need to wrap this up really quickly here. Um, as far as local missions, missions through our local church, when you give to new life, here's some of the things that you're supporting. Um, obviously, the daily operations of our church, kid life, teen life, young adults, legacy life, sports ministries, and so much more. Uh, community missions, which are things that we support, nonprofits in our community, um, Mount Vernon Nazarene University, Joy of Living Camp. Uh, starting point, inner church, and I could take time if I had time to explain each of these to you, but they're awesome ministries. The Escape Zone, Winter Sanctuary, Homeless Shelter, City Schools, Lazarus Life, Foster Life, Christmas Offering, which is the Do Good and, and Share Hope Fund. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a part of that, and any time you give, you're a part of that. 
Let me end with this illustration. Have you, uh, have you ever been sitting at the restaurant with your kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids or whatever? You're sitting there at the table and you all have your hamburger and pop and fries and all the stuff. And of course you're asking God to bless that to the nourishment of your body. And he's going, I don't think so. I just don't. That's not going to happen. But you're sitting there at the table with your kids and you just nonchalantly reach across the table to grab one of your kids fries to try one and what do they do so often they freak out they smack your hand no those are my fries those are my fries but you and you're sitting there going you have those fries because of me they're not your fries i i got them for you I wonder if sometimes God is sitting, looking at us going, I, those aren't really your fries. I, I just want one out of the ten. Can I have? And God's sitting there going, and we're going, no, don't take my fries. Well, you all got a little coupon or a gift certificate thing for a free set of fries from McDonald's. I want you to use them, and if you don't, just feel free to give them to me. I'll use them. That's how I keep my figure. But whenever you do use them, I, I want you to understand this represents, these fries represent your cars, your house, your swimming pool, your vacation, your kids, your parents, your health, everything good that you have. Those fries you're eating is represented by that. And I want you to use this as a reminder to go, God, it's all yours. It's all yours anyway, so I'm going to honor you with my first 10%, and I'm going to obey this biblical principle. And I pray for you, Lord. Um, I, I thank you for loving us enough to, to share this with us. This is, you know, this is really deep personal stuff for a lot of people. But, Lord, it's, it's so often the joy of our strength. So, Father, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts, whatever whatever you have for someone in here this morning that you need to say. Would you say it and help us to hear it, help us to listen, help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stand and worship with us if you would.
Everything we have comes from Him. Thank the Lord today. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Just a couple moments before you leave, I want to remind you, can you believe we are four weeks from Easter? Four Sundays from today, we will celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together. We're going to make that a really special day. We're going to all combine into one service and gather at MVNU's chapel on Easter morning at 1030. So there will be plenty of room for you to invite your family and friends to join you that morning. I would also let you know our kids are going to have an amazing time that, that morning in kid life. Four weeks from today at Easter. Also, on that Easter Sunday, we're going to begin a new series, Who is Jesus Really? Who is he really? Is he a good man? Is he a crazy person? Is he like we see him portrayed in pictures, in popular culture, in movies? Is that really who Jesus is? What is he really like? So that will start on Easter Sunday morning, and you'll want to be a part of that series for those weeks. I would say if you are new with us today, again, we're so excited that you've chosen to join us. I would encourage you to take the welcome card that's in the seat pocket in front of you and fill that out. And if you would, as you leave today, drop it by the Welcome Center. And we'd love to hand you a gift just to say thanks for joining us this morning. And speaking of new people, two weeks from today, March the 26th, we will have a Connect Lunch after our 1130 service. And that is free for anyone who is fairly new at New Life and you would like to just come and hear more about the mission and the vision of the church, all that's happening at New Life, a chance to meet some new friends, interact with some of the staff, just a chance to get to know us a little bit better and kind of find out how you can be a part of everything that's happening at New Life. Again, two weeks from today, free food, child care is provided. It does help us to know that you're coming, so if you could register at a kiosk as you leave or on a church center app, that would be a great help to us. Hasn't it been a good morning? As we leave today, throughout this week, let's reflect on that life of generosity that Pastor Troy has talked about. New Life, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day. You are dismissed.